Hello and welcome to CJSW Age-Friendly Programming, broadcasting on 90.9 FM in Calgary and on Treaty 7 and Region 3 territory. Our program is called Age to Perfection and Old Enough to Know Better. I'm Linda Rainey. And I'm Kathy Burrell. I'd like to share a poem with you in a book I picked up recently titled Bards in the Saddle a 10th anniversary anthology of the Alberta Cowboy Poetry Association. This poem is titled Seniors of Today. Let's give praise and lots of love for our great seniors of today. They had many trials and tribulations as they worked from day to day. They came from families from far-off lands as children of our great pioneers. Across the seas and vast open country, to a life, love, and fears. Working together as families should, endured many hardships together. They traveled by horse and buggy or walked many a mile, a challenge each day in all kinds of weather. They really didn't know what to expect as they ventured over the trail, but faith, hard work, and hope, their courage and strength would not fail. Many traveled far and wide before they settled down. Some preferred the country life, and many wanted to live in town. Some made it to the world of fame, others weren't quite so lucky. Seniors of today, rich or poor, they were certainly very plucky. A poem by Bell Hall. Wake up with the clouds of 
The Alberta Association on Gerontology's mission is to improve the quality of life for seniors through researching services and policies that contribute to the benefits and quality of life of seniors. The association hosts policy discussion sessions and presentations on seniors' issues to raise awareness. The association is responsive to changes in the environment new knowledge, and the aging needs of older Albertans. The Alberta Association on Gerontology has a diverse group of professionals on their board, comprising registered nurses, psychologists, social workers, clinical instructors, professors, and geriatric specialists. Here are some statistics on aging for you. 12% of Alberta's population is over the age of 65. These numbers will increase to 19% in the year 2041. The first set of baby boomers will be 75 years old in the year 2020. The major users of health care services over the next decade will be the baby boomers. The gray wave will influence the housing market, continuing care services, consumer products, and clothing, to name a few. Baby boomers were born between 1946 and 1964. Boomers redefine traditional values. As a group, they are the wealthiest, most active, and physically fit in the generation they grew up in. Baby boomers tend to avoid discussion on long-term planning and end-of-life issues, possibly because boomers are in a state of denial about aging and death. The baby boomers have different preferences and lifestyle choices. They demand independence, and they know how to use technology. Baby boomers tend to stay in their own homes and receive services if required. They'll only consent to being institutionalized as a last choice. Baby boomers are very informed on health care services. Service providers must be sensitive to these changes, which are very different than past generations. Policies must be amended to facilitate independence and choice in senior services. Good morning. Today in studio is Sherry Graydon. Sherry is an award-winning author, speaker, and advocate with more than 25 years of experience on both sides of the microphone. She specializes in crafting and delivering speeches and commentaries that engage and inform. She motivates women to speak up in whatever context their professional circumstances allow to position themselves as valuable sources and increase their impact. Welcome to the program, Sherry. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. 
So Sherry, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work? Yeah, so through Informed Opinions, the nonprofit project that I founded uh, about eight and a half years ago, essentially I train and motivate, as you mentioned, smart women to share what they know with broader public through the media. And we also make it easier for journalists and conference programmers to find women who do have informed opinions, because what we know from many decades of research is that women are invited to speak typically less often, and we decline much more often. And that has huge consequences when you think about, you know, the decisions that we make as a society that are made on our behalf by governments are enormously influenced by the public discourse and the conversations that we have. So if women's voices are only at 20 or 30 percent and men's are at 80 or 70, that's a problem. Mm, It sure is. Sherry, media such as radio and print are fairly anonymous uh, as opposed to television. So on air or in print, no one can see you or make any assumptions regarding your age. What would you say to an older adult who felt passionate about an issue and wanted to write an op-ed piece? Do you think age really matters when it comes to having a point of view? I think age absolutely does matter in really positive ways. Certainly my own experience, I'm 60 and I've always had opinions, but my confidence in the value of my opinions has significantly increased with life experience. I can remember playing Trivial Pursuit with my then-husband as a young 20-something-year-old, and I repeatedly deferred to him. We were on the same team, and he repeatedly got it wrong, and my answers, which I kept to myself and thought, no, no, he must know, because he was so much more confident, uh, were repeatedly right. And that was 20-something, and now, as I say, I'm 60. So I think that many, many people, as they age, their life experience reinforces for them that, yes, I have insights that are in informed by not only the knowledge that I've learned through formal education, but also experience and the wisdom that comes from making mistakes and learning through trial and error. Well, it's very interesting as well, because I think a lot of older adults, because they have read newspapers, maybe perhaps most of their life, they um, might think that, you know, from a power point of view, you know, the newspaper has all the power and that maybe they're not so powerful and maybe no one wants to hear their opinion. Or the other uh, aspect is is that people feel when they read the op-eds that they're done by professors or they're done by, you know, high profile business people. But do you find that anyone can write an op-ed? Yeah, and I reinforce that message all the time. Um, It is true that many of the voices on op-ed pages are um, certified experts, people with PhDs who teach at universities like Mm -hmm. U of Calgary. But I started writing op-eds as a, I think I was maybe 29 or 30, and I had just joined the board of a nonprofit women's organization. I went to the bathroom at the second meeting at the wrong time. I came back, I was president, (laughs) because there are no glass ceilings in underfunded women's organizations. And so I I got, because I was president of the nonprofit, I got asked to respond to a media interview, which I did. And they used only a 10-second soundbite, which is typically what you get. And I had way more to say Mm. than the 10-second soundbite. And so I channeled the rest of what I thought and felt into an op-ed. And the only reason I knew to do that was because my partner had published a book on BC political history, and he was promoting the book. And one of the ways he did that was to write an op-ed. I read his op-ed. I edited it, made it immeasurably better, (laughs) and realized, oh, you mean anybody can do this. So Mm. I was a, a new grad student. I was not what anybody would have 
called an expert. And one of the reasons I call my initiative Informed Opinions is because that's really the bar. So, uh, Sherry, the World Health Organization recently launched a campaign to combat ageism, which I think is pretty rampant in our society. And I wondered if you could comment on this quote. Social change requires sustained and coordinated action by a diverse range of public and private sector actors. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, for some of us, it's discouraging. Uh, I've been at the social advocacy business for 30 years now, and it would be nice if progress was inexorable, but it's not. Um, Change doesn't just happen. It is made to happen. Uh, In the arena that I know best, women, we didn't get the vote. We didn't get mat leave. We didn't get sexual assault laws without actively advocating for ourselves. Sometimes that required marching in the streets. Sometimes it required lobbying legislators. But writing op-eds and engaging with media is, is one of the ways to advocate and promote a particular perspective. So it is really important for any group of people whose views and perspectives and interests are not being fully represented, either through the media or in the legislatures, it requires that kind of engagement. And because media do literally and figuratively amplify voices, if your perspectives as a, as a senior citizen, for example, are not reflected in the media that are influencing the decisions being made in the Alberta legislature, in Ottawa, it's, it's necessary to engage in whatever realms you have the capacity to do that. And what we, I've known this anecdotally for a long time. I used to write a column for the Vancouver Sun many years ago. Um, but recently there has been research done looking at and analyzing the impact and ability of op-eds specifically to shift perspectives. And so even in a public discourse that is currently certainly south of the border, but I think sometimes in Canada too, very polarized, It's still possible if you craft an argument that is reasoned and thoughtful and supported with evidence to shift people's perspectives, to change minds, to make them read what you've written and go, oh, that's so interesting. I I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. That changes the way I look at people living on the street, for example. Yeah. Um, You and I were talking before the interview a little bit about uh, women in politics and how it can be a little bit, uh, well, it can be a lot uh, dangerous with regards to words, uh, not so much deeds. So for someone stepping out of their privacy bubble to write a piece or to begin commenting on an issue through an interview or even... Uh, goodness help us, uh, social media. Do you have any advice to give those people that maybe are a little bit wary about their privacy or about stepping into the world of trolls? Well, you know, that is a reality that is certainly different than when I started 30 years ago. Although I will say that the very first column I wrote for the Vancouver Sun, so I'd been writing op-eds, but my photograph never appeared against the op-eds. When I started writing the regular column, my photograph appeared. And in response to my first column, I got the most vicious piece of hate mail I've received in 30 years. On the outside of the envelope, it was addressed to Sherry Graydon, bitch of the year club. Which was actually helpful because then I knew that when I opened it up, it was not going to be a fan letter, which no. indeed it was not. And I, I won't tell you what it said inside. But, you know, there has always been that pushback. Twitter and Facebook and social media and email, for that matter, make it much easier and more immediate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really 
really want to encourage people not to allow that. Don't don't allow yourself to be silenced by someone else before you've even engaged. You know, notwithstanding that hate mail that I got, I'm still writing op-eds. I'm still speaking publicly. I'm very present in social media and online. And I I do not get the kind of hate stuff that, for example, your esteemed premier receives because I don't actually have power. So I, I would really not want people to let that deter them. Yes, you might get some pushback, but it's not going to be as extreme as what you read about online from people who are have have power, are really famous, or are perhaps speaking about really controversial things. It's true. It's one of those things that I think, um, to some degree, the the fear of not getting involved is more uh, to keep people away, and I think specifically to keep women out of out of the media. So, um, so Sherry, can you tell us if you want to have more information about informed opinions, or how to get involved, or get on your database, or start crafting op eds, or speaking out? What, uh, where would people go? Do you have a website? Yes, we have a um, very robust website with lots of free resources that are designed exactly to support people who are not familiar with how to engage with media to do that. It's www.informedopinions, past tense and plural, dot O-R-G. And if you just Google informed opinions, it pretty much comes up. Well, thank you very much, Sherry. It's been lovely having you and uh, good luck in uh, with informed opinions. Thank you very much. Thank you. Let's talk about our beloved pets for a moment and how important they are in our lives. But as we age, sometimes we're not able to look after our pets the way we used to. The Calgary Seniors Resource Society understands the challenges older adults face and have developed a pet assist program. The society has volunteers who will help with grooming, bathing, and exercise, as well as transportation to veterinary appointments. This program launched two years ago and has helped more than 100 pets and seniors stay together. It's not just for cats and dogs either, but for any pets. Also, the Calgary Humane Society has a boarding program to take in and look after your pets for up to 10 days if you need to go to hospital and have no one to look after your pet. The program is free for those signed up with Pet Assist. To register, call 403 As we age, it is important to stay socially connected and to feel some sense of purpose in our lives. The old saying of use it or lose it rings true with everything we do, and especially with the way we live our lives as we age. Over the years, we've developed our lifestyle and our habits, and now it's time to tune it up as we get older. The price we pay for isolating ourselves affects both our physical and mental well-being. 
Our senior population in Canada is approximately 16% and growing. As we age, our physical appearance changes, and if we are experiencing health issues, such as reduced mobility or declining cognitive skills, we might feel embarrassed or self-conscious to join a fitness class because we may feel inadequate. So it seems easier to avoid social interaction and stay home. By joining a class and getting active and involved, we will likely be pleasantly surprised at the improvement in the way we look and the way we feel, not to mention some of the new friends we might meet or the old friends that we bump into. Taking weekly classes adds structure to your routine that you might be missing now that you are no longer working. Participating in classes with like-minded groups in the same age category ensures regular contact with others. There are so many opportunities and organizations in Calgary, from fitness classes to swimming, pickleball, curling, music, art, and on it goes with something for every interest. Programs offered through senior centers, such as Kirby Center and Confederation Park 55 Plus Seniors, are reasonably priced to encourage participation and membership. These organizations have special events, lectures and presentations from medical professionals, tax consultants, lawyers, and others. It's easy to make excuses for not going out, especially over the winter months, when the roads are icy and the sidewalks are slippery and we want to avoid the risk of accidents or injury. As health declines in older people, chronic health issues start to develop, resulting in more trips to the doctor's office. Unfortunately, the only contact some seniors have is with their doctor. I think that's why doctors limit the amount of time allowed for each visit. There are many forms of isolation, and living alone definitely plays a role. Even if you have a partner, you may have grown apart over the years. Although you're living under the same roof, you don't really do too much together anymore or communicate with one another the way you used to. Some people stay together for appearances or financial reasons, even though they realize their life is not as enjoyable as it used to be. Their families and friends may notice a change and try to encourage some socialization, even though it's awkward to talk about. The more isolated a person becomes, eventually affects their social skills and ability to interact with others. Medical research has proven that loneliness and isolation may speed up the onset of dementia and heart disease. Some seniors become reclusive and don't make any effort to get out of the house unless they absolutely have to. Their health declines and depression is common. Motivation dwindles, even hobbies that were once enjoyed are no longer thought about. Some seniors prefer to be alone and won't admit they are isolated, whereas some socially active seniors may say they still feel lonely from time to time. Social media also contributes to social isolation, not just for seniors, but for any age group. It allows people to communicate electronically instead of picking up the phone or meeting in person. Friends and family don't know how you're really doing if your only communication is electronic because it's easy to hide details you don't want someone to know and embellish others to make it look like all is well. Sadly, many couples communicate by texting instead of just talking to each other the way they used to do. 
Social media is also the source of many scams that seniors are sometimes not aware of. Many have lost thousands of dollars after being deceived with false information and fear of consequences if they don't comply with the scammer's demands. Socially isolated seniors are at risk of developing habits such as excessive drinking, smoking, and not eating well. They are at risk of falls resulting in hospitalization. Losing contact with family members or not having access to transportation also isolates older people. There are many government-run social agencies and programs to address these issues if people are willing to seek help. Staying healthy and happy as we age takes some planning, but it is well worth the effort. Make every day for yourself the best it can be. Take interest in changing old habits and learning new things. Stay socially connected in every way, every day. I'm 86 and I feel someplace perhaps in my late 40s, early 50s. Well, I think if you don't stay social and, a, and the way to do it is get yourself a dog, you have to walk the dog. Before you know it, you're speaking to every other dog person on the street. I speak to my neighbors when new neighbors move in. I go and introduce myself. I think possibly I'm known as the nosy old lady down the street. I know all the kids. As they grow up, they go zipping by my place yelling, Hello, Miss Mary! Hello, Miss Mary! <laughs> and I am fortunate that I have many of my friends that also have lived into their 80s, and I have got two friends that I act, well, one friend that I started school with. She's still alive, that I speak to her often. I have another friend in Victoria that we speak weekly, and she's 87. So you have to stay uh, social. If you don't stay social, you're sort of going to dry up and become one of those prim, proper old ladies that's an absolute pain in the you-know-what. I was on the C train the other morning um, in Calgary. I was standing waiting for the train, and a lady approached me to ask me how to buy a ticket. So I showed her what I knew. She remembered what she was doing, and everything was good. Uh, she came and sat uh, or stood next to me on the platform, and we discovered we were going in the same direction. Uh, we sat together on the train, and she proceeded to tell me a couple of really good stories. Uh, she told me about her little dog and showed me a picture of him. She told me, unfortunately, she had lost a partner seven years ago, and she even had the um, month that uh, they had passed away. Uh, we talked about where she was from. We talked about Elvis Presley. We talked about uh, things to do in this Calgary dry weather to make sure your uh, skin isn't dry. Um, it was a very enjoyable conversation, and as someone who's a very chatty individual, I must report that I didn't really get a word in edgewise because this lovely lady who told me she was 70, um, told me about her family and her life, seemed to really need to talk. So um, I just want to remind everybody that December, you know, all the lights and uh, the holiday celebrations, sometimes people are on their own. And if they're on their own, 
they're a bit older, it can be quite a lonely time. So if um, you want to do something that doesn't include buying someone a gift or spending a lot of money, uh, if you've got a senior in your neighborhood or you see somebody sitting alone on the train, uh, make a connection. You know, it can really change your life and uh, change the life of those people that you're talking to. It doesn't cost a thing, and uh, it's one way uh, to combat social isolation and just be a good person. That's it for our program today. Thank you so much for listening to CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. Our program is Age to Perfection and Old Enough to Know Better. 